You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Amen. So when Pastor texted us yesterday, uh, just in my heart I heard these words, crisis encounter with the power of God. And I remember that happening with me. And, uh, you know, there are those divine moments that you have with him where he uh, marks you, who changes your life. And so as I was preparing and getting ready, I've started to remember some of those times. And uh, just remember that it takes you from one glory to another glory. Hallelujah. And so, um, so in those divine moments, those divine times, his power comes on you. His power changes you, alters you, uh, sometimes just to bless you. Other times for uh, a specific uh, yeah, service or something he has for you to do. And uh, it's just good being in the presence of God. And with Moses and Abraham, Peter, Paul, different ones we've seen, Gideon, they had encounters with God where things changed in their life. There, uh, I have heard that there is this character in Chinese culture that uh, uh, is a symbol for crisis or opportunity. And so when you have those moments with him, you can either back up and not take that opportunity, or you can go with him and have that opportunity and have those marked times in God where he changes you, he alters you, he uh, he, uh, launches you to another level and elevates you in him. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we're not going to look in that specifically, but Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem, and he said that you shall receive power. And, of course, we know in Acts chapter 2, it goes on to talk about there how they tarried, how they waited for him. And just think about this. This is a marked time in history when Jesus has ascended on high. He tells them to wait for what? For the next thing that God's going to do. It's marking a time in history where things, uh, there's a change in the order of things. There's, there's something to wait for. There's someone to wait for to receive power. Amen. And so um, in Acts chapter 2, we see that believers gather together there for an extended time in God. And, uh, and it's inter- interesting that uh, this is the corporate anointing where they were in a place where the corporate anointing, like we are gathered here to together tonight. And then, uh, so they're in that place and his presence comes in so much so that they're inebriated enough that people think that they're drunk. Hallelujah. That he intoxicates them. He uh, consumes them while they're waiting in his presence. Glory to God. So waiting in the presence of God, so much so that uh, people in the community thought that they were drunk. So much so that they saw a marked change, a marked difference in them that something had altered and changed. You know, there are times when you can get in some places in God. And I just thought about Jacob. You know, he had a Bethel time in his life where there was a marked time in him where he wrestled with that angel and things changed for him. And here in this place in Acts chapter 2, there was a marked time where God changed things. And here it is in a corporate anointing or a corporate place. Brother Hagin used to tell us that the corporate anointing is the strongest anointing on earth. 
So we are right here gathered together in this corporate place. Individually, we're having our hearts towards him, but corporately in this place, there's a hunger, there's a roar that goes up before him. And he said to us in December, he'll come down and get in the middle of that roar. Amen. Glory to God. And so in Acts chapter 4 is another place where we see that they gather together and begin to, in one accord, in one place, in a corporate setting, they begin to pray. They begin to seek God because there was persecution that was coming with them. And God came in that place and he shook that place. Hallelujah. In a corporate setting where they were in unity and one accord, one mind, one heart. And God came down and got in the middle of that. So much so that the place shook. Not exactly sure what's happening. My hand up higher. Okay. Hallelujah. Power. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And then Acts chapter 12, we see that Peter was in jail. And he had a divine encounter with an angel while they were gathered together in a corporate anointing, praying. You know, um, the corporate anointing, you know, in this place, and maybe I'll say this to these folks online, and uh, I know that there are times when you can't come. But, you know, we've heard different things about people saying that they don't, they don't think they're coming back and that they're comfortable at home. You may not need us but we might need you. We may need that anointing that you carry. We may need that encouragement that you have in this place, gathered together to bring that corporate roar up to God. Hallelujah. And so one of those times when I was remembering uh, a crisis encounter with the power of God, I was very young in the Lord, probably three or four years uh, in with these crazy charismatic people. And I had moved to Nashville in the church that I was attending at the time. They were meeting in a school. And they said um, uh, that particular Sunday morning, one particular Sunday morning, the pastor said, he said, uh, if you've never had a crisis encounter with God, you need to get down here. Well, I'm just hungry with God for God and whatever he has. I didn't even know what that meant. And so I started going towards the front, and I don't know, at what point I fell or anything, but the power of God hit me uh, right there in, uh, as I was coming down to the altar. And uh, they tell me that my prayer language changed six times that morning, a uh, lady that was there with me. And uh, the couple that uh, told me about the church, um, they had to walk me to my car that day, and she had to drive my car home because the presence of God was so strong. And I never encountered him that way before. And when I got home that day, I felt like someone had wrapped me up in a cloak and I was just there on my couch in the presence of the Lord. And I got to know him as my father. That Christ, it marked me. I had never known the love of a father like that. And it was just me and him in that apartment by myself all the rest of the day. I don't think I ate, slept, anything. I was just there with him in that place where he was showing me the love of a father that I needed. Another time uh, later in uh, <clears throat> uh, my walk with God, uh, we had Pastor Mark Brzee. Uh, come and minister at our church and at that time he was doing Holy Ghost meetings 
And uh, so that's something that we hadn't really encountered before, and he brought that to our church. So all that week I had served, uh, served at someone's table, and some of you know Ray Jean Wilson. I was uh, watching over their table. And, uh, and so that morning when I was getting ready, I said, Lord, I've been watching over another man's stuff all week. And I said, I won't double. And I uh, didn't know what I was asking for. So when uh, we had prayer at 930 that morning, and uh, so we were all gathered around the uh, altar here, and his wife was there. She was sitting in the middle. I, in my mind, I saw myself go over and put my head underneath her chin. She grabbed my head, and for the next, that's 930 in the morning, we're praying. Till, until 530 that afternoon, I was laying in the floor. He just preached around me. And just, it just, it just looked to see if I was okay. And I became a holy roller that day. They had a lady that was sitting on the front row that kept the modesty cloth, kept covering me as I was rolling on the front. And, uh, and so uh, the, they dismissed and everybody went to lunch and left me on the floor there in my encounter with God. And so the, uh, the janitor, uh, every so often he'd come and keep checking on me. Make sure I was okay. About 5.30 that afternoon, I stirred enough that he went and got my car, and they had to drive me home. And then somebody had to come and get back and get me for service that night. I never made it to the platform. I was on the praise and worship team, never made it to the platform. Uh, um, Pastor Mark Mazzee, I don't think he was a pastor at the time, but he uh, ministered to me six times in the service that night. And I just spent my time in between the pews on the floor. And so I couldn't drive myself home that night. <laughs> and so someone had to drive me home that night because I'm in the parking lot in my car going, wee. That's what drunk people do, you know. And uh, just a marked time. And I knew in that particular instance that um, the Lord was getting ready to launch me into full-time ministry. And I knew... Um, I didn't know all of what he was doing, but I did know in that instance that there was equipment that was being put in me. There were things that I needed for the next phase of what God was doing in my life. He was downloading things on the inside of me in his presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll see if I can make it through this next one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Earlier this year, uh, at a saturation, um, during that whole weekend before we even came to saturation, I was at home, and uh, just my heart stirred towards God, and uh, just crying out to Him, I want more of you, and there's nothing else more important than you, and my heart just stirring towards Him, and yielding my heart, and, uh, and uh, giving my heart to Him more and more, and laying down some things, and just calling out for more of him. And we get to the service, uh, a saturation, and, and Pastor felt led to have Pastor Rhonda lay hands on all the ladies that night. And so, again, here we are in the corporate setting, and the corporate anointing is in place. And so that night, you know, I sensed his presence and everything, and even when I went to home to go to bed that night, just sensed his presence on me. And so... In the mornings, I walk in here in the sanctuary, and uh, so I was doing my ritual, you know, coming in and getting ready to, to do my walking. And so um, <clears throat> I uh, very often back here in this room, uh, it used to be the prayer room, but it's the nursing mother's room now, 
go back there and pray. And so I still do that, and I go back there and pray. And so, but I get my walk in first. I get my 30 minutes in first. I, you know, and that's my Holy Ghost praying time, you know, in other tongues. And so I'm in my ritual. But then I'm sensing him calling me. And I'm like, Holy Ghost, you know I got to get my walk in because you have to get your steps in. You know that? Yeah. And so the, uh, the more I walk, the more I'm sensing him drawing me. And so finally, <laughs> I said, I'm just going to obey. <laughs> and so I'll go back here in the room and I said, what do you want with me? And he said, just yield. And so I was, I was walking in the room and, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll just sit down. And I said, Lord, what do you want with me? And he said, just yield. And I didn't feel like I was low enough. <laughs> so I got down on my knees in the room. And I said, Lord, what do you want? And he said, just yield. So I just laid down on the floor in there and yielded to him. And he came in in a greater way than I ever experienced him before. And so, after being in there for so long, it scared me. <laughs> How can the presence of God scare you? I began to shake, and uh, eternity, eternity is swirling around me. His presence is in there so strong. And all I can think, if I can get to Pastor Rhonda, I'll be okay. And uh, so I sent her a text. I don't know how I did it. That didn't even make sense. And so finally she called me, and I couldn't even talk hardly to her. She had to get past her on the phone. And the more I yielded, the more he came. Hallelujah. All out of a heart of, I want more of you. I'm not hungry like I need to be, God. I want more of you. I'm not thirsting for you, God, like I want to. I want more of you. And because of that heart cry, he answered that heart cry. And I say to you right now, tonight, in this corporate place, and it seems like in those instances that he reminded me of, it was in this corporate anointing, it was in this corporate setting that he initiated something with me, but I had to yield to him. If I wanted more of him, I had to surrender myself to him. I looked up the word surrender this afternoon. It says giving your power over to another person. And so dreams, desires, things that are in my heart that have been there for a long time, I told him they didn't mean anything if I don't have you. And I know he's not wanting to take those things from me, but he wants all of me. He wants all of you. Hallelujah. Glory. So let's right now. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do this. Hallelujah. Father, we surrender.
Our life is in your hands. Father, in this place, you're wanting to have crisis encounters with your people, Bethel's part, marked times with you where you alter, where you change, where you cause us to go deeper in you, go higher in you. And so, Father, as vessels right now, we yield ourselves to you and your presence in this place. Father, come. <laughs> come. Sit on us. Change us. Cause us to come higher. Cause us to come deeper in you. That that deep that's in you is calling out the deep in us and calling us deeper still. So, Father, as surrendered vessels in your presence tonight, we're yours. We belong to you. Come fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Man, what's the point of that yielded life? Well, it's simple. We know it from the Word of God in Luke 3.30. He says, I must decrease so you can increase. <laughs> it's all about increasing Him. Not only in our lives, but in the world. Amen. And we want to do that. And so in order to do that, we've got to pursue Him. And uh, in order to pursue him, we have to lay some things aside, right? And uh, we've got to pursue him above sin. You know, I was talking to the Lord. It's been going on a while, and everything he's been giving me is so heavy lately. So I pray when Pastor Rana comes up, it's light and easy <laughs> and joyous. <laughs> but we've got to pursue him above relationships. We've got to pursue him against uh, materialistic things above everything and only when we pursue him above all that stuff can he begin to increase in our lives and in turn increase in the world amen so everyone say i'm pursuing now listen the level of god's presence in your life is determined by how much you seek him the level of god's presence in your life is determined by how much you seek him and seeking is a verb, and we know this to be true. It is an action. We don't just sit aside and watch and spectate, but we are doing something. We are running after you. We are seeking you. We are seeking first your kingdom and putting you in your rightful place, which is the head of our lives as the head of the church. And as we do that, this tangible anointing, it drops on our lives. And you're not just supposed to experience God in this room, but his presence is supposed to go with you everywhere you go. We seek him at our jobs. We seek him at our schools. We seek him when we're driving in traffic. We seek God. And seeking God is not just worshiping in prayer. It is those things. But you seek him with your actions as well. How you treat others, how you talk to people, how you behave when you're outside of this room. Everything we do is an action of seeking something or someone. Over here in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 
It says that Jesus was teaching them about prayer, and he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. <laughs> you would say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived to visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out of his bedroom, don't bother me. <laughs> Pav, you ever knock on my door at 3 a.m.? This is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> he's my neighbor. You need bread? Go to Walmart. <laughs> You need bread, go to Kroger. I know the way you like to say it, go to Kroger's. Hallelujah. You visit all of them around town, but leave my house alone. <laughs> and this is what he said. He'll call out from the bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and we are all in bed. I can't help you at this time. Verse 8. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking, if you keep knocking. <laughs> he will get up and give you what you want so his reputation won't be damaged. Woo! Hallelujah. We've come into a place where some awesome things are happening in the presence of God and there is a flow that is on this church. The presence of God is on this church. The presence of God is on your life and God is saying to you tonight, do not stop. He has a reputation to uphold. He has a reputation to uphold. He has some promises that he's made to the body of Christ that he's going to be there, that he's going to pour out his glory, and it's not going to go lower, but it's going to increase, and the church is going to go from glory to glory to glory. I'm telling you, we're not finishing. We are just starting this thing. But how does it happen? We continue to knock. Mm -mm. <laughs> we continue to seek, hallelujah. And if you determine in your heart, Father God, I'm staying here until you show up. <laughs> in your living room, in your bedroom, at church, we're come on now, we get in these services and we start looking at our clock. Don't you know Jesus is 8.30? I got work in the morning. <laughs> Y'all like that little up chirp I did right? I got work in them. I don't know what that is. <laughs> don't you know what time it is? Just saturate me and send me on my way. <laughs> but he's saying, keep knocking. Yes. Keep seeking. Yes. You know, we go over to Exodus in chapter 24, and Moses had this problem. It was the Israelites. <laughs> and from Exodus chapter 19 to Exodus 34, he went up Mount Sinai a lot. Like seven times. Up and down, up and down. Because he had this problem. And he was supposed to lead these people. And sometimes in the natural, come on, it gets difficult to do what we're supposed to do. You know how you overcome difficulties? It's with the presence of God. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Well, how do you get his spirit? You seek. You know, we were just looking at that over in Luke 11, and he says, if you keep on seeking, if good men know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Listen to me. He's not just giving him once. He wants to saturate your life every day with the Holy Ghost. He wants to pour it out, and once you've been filled, he wants to fill you up some more. And once you've been filled up some more, he wants to fill you up again. The goodness of God should be splashing over us to the people we come in contact every day. Church, we're supposed to be full. Amen. 
I want to look at a couple examples over here. One in Exodus chapter 24. Glory to God. Someone say he's good. For Moses went up to the mountain. Now listen, seeking. For Moses went up the mountain. See, just because we come to church, that doesn't mean we're seeking. See, I've gone through the motions of Christianity a lot in my life because I've been doing this thing for a long time, and I know you have too. And if you say no, I'm going to say you lying. Sometimes we can get in this business of doing and going, but we're not actually seeking. How do I know? Because we're checking our clock. Mm -mm. I know I'm not talking to Cornerstone tonight. Hallelujah, right? This isn't you guys. These other churches in town, they're watching their clock. Mm -hmm. They're telling the pastor to hurry up. I got to get the kids to bed. Now, I, I get the struggle. Hallelujah. I got two of them little ones, and they wake up early. I don't know why. My children don't like to sleep. I got to get in the spirit and break that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You go to bed and you sleep through the night. <laughs> and I'm not dad until nine. You wake me up at six, you're getting something else. I don't know what it is, but you're getting it. And so we can't go through the motions. We, we've got to seek. Someone say, I'm a seeker. I'm a seeker. And so it says, Moses went up the mountain and the cloud covered it. And the glorious presence of the Lord rested upon Mount Sinai. But the Lord, the presence of the Lord rested on it. But he went up first. He sought something first. And he went up the mountain. And I tell you this all the time because I just have to. I'm from Colorado. We have mountains. Now, I love Alabama. I've been here, you know, 20 years, almost longer than I lived in Colorado. But these are we call them that but even to go up our hills which are mountains it takes work you can't get up to the top unless you dig in and you go and you work and you, you get your staff and you say I'm getting to the top I'm striving to go somewhere I have intention in what I'm doing and you seek and you say, I'm going to the top of this. And so he did no easy thing, but he needed something from God. And so he sought after him. And the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from the cloud. And the Israelites at the foot of the mountain saw an awesome light. The awesome glory of the Lord on the mountaintop looked like a devouring fire. Then Moses disappeared in the cloud. Get this, as he climbed higher. I love this, baby. Now, all of his shortcomings, he did one thing right. He sought the Lord. And he said, man, this glory is good, but I got to go higher. <laughs> this glory is awesome, but there's more. I got to go up just a little higher now. And so he went up there and he spent time in the presence of God. Now, let's jump over to Exodus 34. And this is so amazing. This will help somebody in the room. I did not pay attention as to what time I came down here. Exodus 34. But you realize this is when God gave him the first Ten Commandments and he came down and they built the gold calf, right? And he gets to the bottom of the hill. He comes right out of the presence of God with the first batch of Ten Commandments and he sees him worshiping a gold calf. So what does he do? He gets in the flesh and he breaks the tablets. And I was reading that and it just came to me. This is why we need the presence. Because when we come out of the presence, there's things that are waiting for us. 
And I identify with this because he came out of the presence of God and he immediately did something wrong. <laughs> Man, you talk about the mercy of God. You talk about the grace of God. One of the first services, I don't know if Pastor remembers it, one of the first services I remember him talking about and preaching was about Samson and how Samson had entered into sin and he, he committed the high treason against God because God said, never cut your hair, and he cut his hair. But I love it because there at the end of it, the Bible says his hair began to grow back. Amen. God is so merciful. And the important note we want to make here is don't let anything stop you from going back into his presence. Because Moses comes down and he breaks those tablets. And I love how God and him have this banter. One day it's the people you brought out of Egypt and the next day it's the people I brought out of Egypt. And they're like, they ain't mine, they're yours. And he's like, no, they're not mine, they're yours. And they got this thing going on. But he breaks the tablets and he says, man, we're really messed up down here. What do I got to do? I got to go back into the presence. So he heads back up into the mountain, and we come over to here to Exodus 34. <laughs> Some will say, he's good. Yeah. And it says, and the Lord replied, I will. <laughs> now, we can read this whole thing, but we'll just pick it up here in verse 14 of Exodus 33, actually. And it says, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you. Moses, I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. And then Moses said, if you don't go with us personally, don't let us move a step from this place. Come on, you need to make a commitment in your heart. And I'm going to be real bold in saying this. You need to demand that God and his presence goes with you everywhere you go. And you know what? He wants you to. And I love Moses. He said, you're going to go with us? Okay, if you do not go with us, I'm not willing to move. When you go to school this week, demand that the presence of God goes with you. When you go to work this week, demand that the presence of God goes with you. What is that? That's just you putting an awareness on the presence of God that is on your life. That's all it is. It's not necessarily that we're demanding God to perform or do anything, but it is you waking up and saying, you know what? I demand the presence goes with me. So what I'm doing is I'm making a mental note right now that as I go, God goes. And I'll wait upon the Lord. And so he says, we're not going anywhere. And then Moses said, if you don't go with us personally, then don't let us move a step from this place. If you don't get with us, how will anyone ever know that your people and I have found favor with you? How else will they know we are special and distinct from all the other people on the earth? That, that, mm, okay. Verse 17. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For you have found favor with me and you are my friend. In verse 18, then Moses had one more request. Please let me see your glorious presence. And then the Lord replied, I will make my goodness pass before you. And we know what happens. The good. Listen, there's something on your life. There's a distinct quality or attribute about you, and it's the presence of God. And make no mistake about it, the world can see it. You know, you read on over here in uh, chapter 34, verse 29. It says that Moses came down the mountain carrying the stone, the tablets inscribed with the, ten, or, uh, with the terms of the covenant. He wasn't aware that his face glowed because he had spoken to the Lord face to face. And so they were freaked out by it. 
Y'all remember that? They made him put that lampshade on his head. <laughs> That's 70 watts. It's too much. <laughs> and they put that lampshade. Now, this is so cool. You jump over it in a new covenant, and it says that glory that was on his head when he came down from the mountain, that decayed over time. The glory on you doesn't do it. It doesn't decay, but it increases. There's a presence on you. Hallelujah. And we've got to get busy seeking after the Lord so we can decrease and he can increase. In the book of Acts, real quick, it says that they went into that upper room. Now get this. We, we don't think about this lots of times. But they waited 10 days. Some scholars believe seven to eight. He was with them for 40 days, and it was 50 days after the resurrection. 10 days, they waited. You promised us the Holy Spirit, and you would pour it out. You said, if we go here and wait, if we go here and we wait, listen to me. I'm, I'm finishing with this. There's a problem in the church right now where culture is affecting the church, and it's not supposed to be that way. The church is supposed to affect culture. And when you look at culture, we want everything right now, right now, right now. I went to McDonald's today because you got to have some McDonald's. Hallelujah. I mean, I was just craving some French fries. And the drive through line, it was long. It was wrapped around the building. I said, I, ain't, I got time for that. I'm going inside. So I went inside and I, I put my order in. Like 10 minutes after I put my order in, I'm still sitting there. And the guy behind me, he starts complaining. You know, where's my order? I want it now. He starts fussing. I'm never doing this again. I said, I bet you'll be back tomorrow for more fries. Hallelujah. I know how these things work. And he's complaining. But my point is, if we don't have have it right, in day, right away, we get so frustrated. Because that's our culture. Microwave society. Now, 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 now. God, be still and know that I am God. Wait upon the Lord, and then you'll have renewed strength. This is no microwave. Nothing fantastic has ever come out of a microwave. Hallelujah. We're talking hot pocket status. <laughs> Hot on the outside, frozen on the inside. Everything that is good comes from a slow cooker. Give it time so it falls off the bone. Hallelujah. Let that sucker stew for 12 hours, 24 hours, and give it 12 hours of marinating before you put it in the oven. Everything good comes from a slow cooker. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't let microwave society get in your mind when it comes to the things of God. Just wait on him. Wait on him. Wait on him. And he'll saturate you. Hallelujah. And he'll saturate every part of your life. And your business will increase. And your family will increase. And your school will increase. And your church will increase. Because you're waiting on God. Pastor Rhonda. <laughs> John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Listen, they follow me. We're, we're following him. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep, and sheep follow the shepherd. If you're born again, you know him. You hear his voice. And we're supposed to follow. Hmm. Verse 28. 
and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Glory to God. He's got you. He's got you. Right smack in the palm of his hand. He's got you. No man can pluck us out of his hand. Verse 29. My father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Verse 30. I and my father are one. Listen, in this season, that is your goal. I and the Father are one. You know what that takes? Aligning your will with his will. How many of you know Jesus had a free will? He didn't always want to do what God wanted him to do. You can see that. In the garden, he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He had to take his will. Even Jesus had to take his will and align it with the will of God in order to fulfill his purpose, in order to fulfill his destiny. That's what we have to do. Align our will with his will. We are his sheep, and we do know his voice. We are his sheep, and we do know his voice. And we are aligning ourselves with that voice and what he directs us to do so that we can not only survive this time, we can thrive in this time, and we can not only thrive in this time, we can plunder hell and populate heaven in this time, and we can have everything he said because he is not a man that he should lie. What has he promised you? What has he promised you? Sorry, it's going to see my face. Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11. I can almost quote it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Pastor Mark alluded to it, I don't know when it was, sometime recently when he was preaching. But when I was in India, I was walking around the streets of New Delhi, and there was this fortune teller. who He was a man, and he just kept following me everywhere I went. Let me tell you your future. Let me, and I kept telling him, no, no, leave me alone, you know. And I, but, I mean, he followed me and followed me and followed me. Until finally, I got so tired of it. I whirled around, and I said, let me tell you my future. I can tell you my future. I'm above and not beneath. <laughs> I'm the head and not the tail. My greatest days lie ahead. And I'm just quoting scripture left and right, and the man's looking at me wide-eyed. And finally, he just walked off. 
How many of you know he knew I was right? Yeah, I called it for he did. I know my future. I have an expected end. And that's victory. That's victory. That's health and life and wholeness and victory and power and souls and anointing. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Jeremiah 29, 11. Put her back up. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. How many of you know the world's prophesying all kinds of evil or trying to? But I'm, I'm tuned in. I'm honed in to what my Father is saying over me. Because that's what's going to prevail. Verse uh, 12. Verse 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Wow. Verse 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I tell you, Robert's right. The things of God are not microwave. The things of God are not always that instant. But we have to go after him with all that we are, with everything that's within us. You know, that day that Pastor Belinda called me up here, uh, you know, she was, she was hardly able to speak. Quite honestly, I thought she discovered a dead body or something. <laughs> uh, my mind wasn't spiritual at all. I'm like, dear Lord, who died? She wasn't making sense, you know. And I was like, where, where are you? What's going on? Um, and, uh, I mean, she was, she was gone for hours. And I sat in the room with her just to make sure because I knew she was pretty far out there. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I just sat with her for hours. And finally the Lord gave me the key to, to release her. Uh, and so I called Pastor Mark in and I said, I think we're going to have to release her. She's going to be here. We were in there. She'd already been in there like four, four hours. And uh, uh, I said, I think we're going to have to release her. I don't. How did you know to do that? I don't know. It was the Holy Ghost in me. Glory to God, and her expectation that if I can get to Pastor Rhonda, I'm gonna be all right. So uh, <laughs> the Lord honored her, the expectation of her faith that I would know what to do to help her. Um, and so you know, we we came in and we prayed and we released her, and she was able to to um, you know get out of that place. You can get pretty far out sometimes, but He said you're gonna find me when you search for me. With all of your heart. Mm -mm -mm. What's your motivation in this hour? Where is your attention in this hour? What do you want in this hour? How much of the interruptions of God are you willing to yield to? Because sometimes we have our plan and we have our routine. can't put God in that kind of box. If you give God the surface of your heart, you'll get back the surface of his. You want more of God, you give him more of you. 
You give him more of you. He said, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Let's look at that in the Amplified Classic. Then you will seek me and inquire for and require me. Do you require him or are you doing all right on your own? Because if you are, he'll leave you be. That's part of that free will thing. You know, people have just as much of God as they want. Talking to a minister, somebody called to the ministry. One to be in the ministry so bad. But they want their career more now. They want their money. They're making more now. It'll just happen someday because I'm called baloney. Baloney. They're giving God a quarter of them and wanting everything God has for them in return. It, it doesn't always work that way. When you're all in with God, God's all in with you. When you give God everything, he gives you everything in return. He said, "You'll see, when, then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity. Is he a vital necessity for you every day? Vital. I can't live without it. I can't live without him. He said, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I had a vision years ago, and uh, in this vision, there was this huge bonfire, and I don't know if you've ever been around a bonfire, a really huge bonfire. I'm not talking about you burning trash, a little, little fire. I'm talking about, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, this bonfire in my, I've been around huge bonfires, but this bonfire in my vision was massive. And um, everybody was gathered around, and but everybody was backed up because the fire was hot. How many of you know fire's hot? And, and you can't get, you can only get so close when a bonfire's that big and burning that hot. And so everybody was just kind of, you know, if this is the bonfire, everybody was just kind of out here, you know, and walking around. And occasionally they'd warm themselves by the fire, and you know they they'd partake of the warmth. But there wasn't nobody getting too close. But as I was standing there, I heard a voice out of the fire saying, come to me. Come to me. And I'm like, in there? Yet I knew it was God. So I began to tentatively take steps. I could feel the heat. All of a sudden, people behind me started getting concerned. Rhonda, what are you doing? 
Rhonda, you're getting too close. It's not safe over there. Rhonda, come back here. Come back. It's not safe. But you know what? I trust my father. I know him. I've walked with him. 55, 56 years now, I've walked with my God. In this vision, I walked right smack into the fire, and I grabbed a handful of coals, and I brought them back to the people. And people were flipping out. How many of you know the world would tell you, you know, you can't go to church more than once a week, or you're a fanatic? Do you know the actual federal government put that out? People who go to church more than once a week need to be watched. I mean, not, not recently, but I mean, it hasn't been that long ago. You know what I say? Watch on, baby. <laughs> not only can you watch me, you can follow me. Because I'm going in. Because I'm going in. Farther than you think is safe. Deeper than you think is normal. Why? Because I want him. I want him. I want everything he has. You know, before service when Pastor Belinda was praying, she was all over all my scriptures, man. I was thinking if she takes my stuff tonight, I'm just. <laughs> but how many of you know deep calls unto deep? The deep of God is calling into the deep of you. And if you'll respond with the deep of you, the deep of God will answer. Deep calls unto deep. It's time. It's time to be the church of Jesus Christ. It's time to be abnormal by the world standards. And I don't mean be weird. Although it depends on what they consider weird, I guess. I'm a tongue-talking woman preacher. I mean, I guess that's in some estimation about as weird as you can get. Go to church every time the doors are open. But you know what? He's prepared us for this hour. He's anointing us for this hour. He has equipped us for this hour. We know his voice. We know his voice. And the voice of a stranger we will never follow. In that place of surrenderedness, when your will aligns with his will, the more you can align your will with his will, the more of his power you'll walk in, the more of his goodness you'll see, the more he shows up and shows out on your behalf. I'm telling you, there are times I have to be careful what I even wish for in my heart because God's doing it. It's like a pipe. 
And some of us, you know, we, we say we want under the pipe. We want all that God has. We want his will. And yet our pipe is not aligned with his pipe. There's maybe a quarter of a pipe overlap. So we get a little slosh over, blessing. You understand what I mean? But the more you can align your will to his will and do it gladly, and do it gladly. Listen, the things of this earth, they're temporal. Money comes and money goes. Houses come and houses go. Cars come and cars go. Investments come and investments go. But the word of the Lord is forever. The, the things of God are eternal. And the only things that are going to matter in the end. You know, the Bible says in the end it's all going to burn. So why are we trying to just make our pile of ashes bigger? Why do I care if your pile of ashes is bigger than my pile? I'm laying up treasure in heaven. And I know you are too. But my point to you this evening is deep is calling unto deep. Let's get after it. Let's get after the deeper of God. Let's get after him. Let's, let's align our will under his will so that we're right smack under that pipe and we can get everything he's got for us. We are his sheep, and we know his voice. And the more we follow, the more we follow, the more we surrender, the more we yield to his will the more we seek him. And if you're not hungry enough, what Pastor Belinda prayed is an awesome thing to pray. Pastor, Father, I don't have hunger for you like I once did. I'm not as thirsty for you as I once was. Make me hungry. Make me thirsty. I desire to desire you. That is a prayer he'll answer in a New York minute. He'll give you desire. He can give you desire. The Bible says he gives you the desires of your heart. I think he gives them to you, and then he brings them to pass. Even Jesus had to align his will. So do you. So do I. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rick Renner says that scripture in Psalms that in the last days he's raising up a company of women who will be proclaimers of the gospel. I love that. But also he's raising up a company of men who in the last days will be proclaimers of the gospel. If ever there was a time God needs us to be obedient when he says speak, to do what he says do, this is the time. This is the time. The world's sick of religion. I'm sick of religion. I'm sick of dead, dry traditions of men. I want him. I want him. And you know what? That can be a little bit of a freaky place to be because, you know, it's just not comfortable for our flesh. To yield to him that way. It's like Belinda, what do you want? Just yield. No, no, what do you want? Just yield. What are you going to do with me if I do? Is what she was really asking. Where, where are we going here, Lord? 
challenge you. Set your heart for him. Require him as your soul's first necessity. Even if you're not there, even if that desire isn't there, you can desire the desire. And he'll meet you. Amen. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.